Welcome to Intelligogy with Tracy Browder, where together we will disrupt educational normalcy. You know, every time I start an episode, I always say I'm excited, but today I'm excited for several reasons. First and foremost, I have Marlena Gross-Taylor here. Hey, Marlena. <laughs> hey, Tracy. We, we are so excited that we have finally connected, and I want to do her introduction, but before I do that... Let me tell you what's really special about today. Um, Intelligogy, the podcast, is has gone through a transformation, really focusing on how best to connect with listeners, what, what's relevant to all of us right now. And so I'm working really, really hard with Intelligogy, the podcast, to make sure we're bringing you relevant information and the structure and the format and the flow of Intelligogy, the podcast has completely changed. So today is Monday Matters. So this is the very first episode in the new format. And the title of the format for Monday is Monday Matters. So Marlena on Monday Matters, welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you, Tracy. I'm excited to be on your podcast and honored that I'm the first one for the Monday Matters. I just love, love that title and that theme. Thank you. So glad you're with me. So let me do a little bit of introduction for Marlena. She has, we talked a little bit um, yesterday. And one thing I was really impressed about with Marlena is one, I've always known her passion and her, her heart for education. Um, a lot of us may know that she is one of the founders of Edu, Edu Gladiators. It's a online Twitter chat, and I'm sure it's... Marlena, you have a blog for Edu, a website for Edu Gladiators, correct? Yes. So we are um, more than a hashtag. It's kind mm -hmm. of our, our theme. And so, um, yes, we have a website. We're present on all the major social media platforms, and we are... Um, you know, the background for Edu Gladiators is to bring in a new era of leadership, of engagement, and of advocacy for our kids and for our profession in general. So we also uh, have just started in the last year publishing books as well. So we're continuing to grow and evolve so we can continue to usher in, do our part to usher in that new era of education. Absolutely. And I love that Edu Gladiators is leading the way. I am I try to always make sure I carve out the time to participate in the chat because there's such thought provocation in that chat. And before we get to that, um, one thing that I was saying a minute ago that I learned that I was really impressed about with Marlena is that she has been a principal in um, elementary, middle school, and high school. So one that already speaks to who you are in terms of your heart and passion for education, that you wanted to see the whole process. You wanted to be able to add value and understand what it's like in the primary, what middle school age students need, and what's important in high school. So I applaud you for having that vision and desire to go the whole scope, the whole spectrum. Um, that, that's just really amazing. So the reason I have Marlena here today on Monday Matters is, um, one, she was the first one that came to me for the Monday Matters slot. And if you ask me why, Marlena is just visionary and she's passionate and she's real. And that's what educators and listeners, that's what we want. So a few weeks ago in the Edu Gladiators chat, she shared some thoughts. And I'm going to read those to you. Um, and this is, quote, this pandemic exposed a few truths. Number one, equity is still a thing. Number two, schools are considered 
um, schools are still considered daycares. Number three, being teachers is not as easy as parents thought. Four, educators deserve more pay and respect. Five, testing is not the answer. And I feel like every single one of those points is a conversation that deserves its own space. So today we are going to focus on her number one point and truth that this pandemic exposed is equity is still a thing. So Marlena, I'm going to let you kind of open up and talk about um, what your thoughts are around that. Thank you, Tracy. Um, Oh, wow. So this was a loaded tweet for sure. And, um, and probably one of my most, um, you know, I guess liked tweets or retweeted tweets in a while, uh, because so many people I think are feeling this and for whatever reason, maybe, um, maybe because they're active on social media, they're hesitant to share these hard truths. Um, it's how I phrase, you know, this answer, but we have to, we have to, we have to start talking about what it really matters. So I love the Monday matters because as we've been, as all of us have been, um, you know, just dropped into this remote learning situation, it, it matters on these five things. If we're to continue in any type of virtual environment for the fall, uh, particularly as we as we decide how we go back to school or or if we go back to school in person or not, or if it remains virtual. So. For Edge Gladiators, we did a pivot because we normally plan out our themes for each month so we can have like a series for each of the topics. And uh, that way we can also be sure to tap on educators that are sharing their truths and that are inspiring and giving ideas and, and being problem solvers um, for each month. And so we pivot, we pivoted this month for May and our focus is remote learning in a crisis. And as we were going through this particular chat, and this one was Keeping It Simple, that was the title of that week's chat was Keeping It Simple. Um, You know, I'm hearing, I'm reading and and looking and commenting, um, as well as the other core uh, warriors on really the pain points that people were trying to articulate. And again, like I said, maybe we're hesitant to just say it. And so I am from the Bayou, and the only way I know to be is to be straightforward. And for some people, that makes them uncomfortable when you share hard truths. But to me, that's the only way you can move forward. And when we think about remote learning, equity was my number one because I believe that all school districts are trying and have tried very hard to integrate 21st century learning and um, technology into their lessons. And I think some are better at it than others. And that really is could be due to a lot of a lot of different things, uh, whether it's money, whether it's um, having the, which I feel is probably the most important thing, having the right teachers uh, in front of them, so the the tech doesn't become a glorified worksheet. But this pandemic exposed the inequities of our education system, particularly around digital uh, digital learning. You know. The research shows that particularly for kids that are in poverty and kids that are in color, that kids of color, that technology can be that bridge for them to see um, the rest of the world. Most many kids that fall into that category and same as their parents, they've never left what I like to call their little bubble of their neighborhood or their community. And so, you know, it's hard to be, Tracy, what you can't see and having technology and having access uh, to that technology and to the internet and connection, 
that is, I think, one of the founding principles of digital education is to provide kids um, and even their parents what life could be like, what their dreams uh, could be, and how do they go about reaching those goals, reaching those dreams. So this pandemic uh, definitely showcased our lack of updated technology, our technology period, and also, you know, the technology is no good if you do not have internet access. So, um, you know, having to work through hotspots, providing hotspots and and different things like that. Um, I think that was the second piece. So we can't we can't even start doing remote learning well or e-learning or virtual learning well without talking about the equity piece. You're, you're absolutely right. And you said so much in such a short time. Um, you know, we, we have to understand where people are and if they don't have the access to technology, then what are we going to do? How do we reach them? Um, you said something and, and we're going to right now on Intelligogy, the podcast, we're going to pair a quote. Um, you said, it's hard to be what you can't see. And that really resonated with me. So while you were talking, I wrote a quote to add to that. So I'm going to read the whole thing. It's hard to be what you can't see. It's hard to connect with where you've never been. So for the kids, it's hard for them to be what they can't see. But for the educator, if some of us have never been in those shoes of the impoverished population, you don't even begin to understand what they're going through. They're not even worried about the technology right now. They're worried about food on the table. Do we have lights? Do we have water? You know, my, my, my parents are getting on public transportation. Most of us don't even have to worry about public transportation. So they're, they're kind of forced to be in situations that really expose them to the virus. So in a lot of places, Marlena, people aren't even, you know, education was the last thing on their minds. Don't, would you agree? Absolutely. Um, and that's the, that's definitely the second piece of the equity is still a thing. Um, and I think why so many people, when I, when I, um, you know, when I put that tweet out there, my number five was testing isn't the answer because immediately, you know, we're programmed, I think, as educators to, well, it's part of the teaching learning cycle to assess learning, but the testing part, I think that caused a lot of angst for district leaders, school leaders, like how are we going to do our state testing? How are we going to do ACT or SAT or whatever it might be for your state? How are we going to get these things done? And so I know for me, I've been supporting quite a few districts during this pandemic crisis and just making sure that they are aware, because like you said, Tracy, so many of them have never walked in the shoes of those kids that are struggling. They never thought of that the tech, that the school piece while it is a huge anchor for those kids in their lives when uh, in more of the traditional sense before the crisis, right now, that is the last thing on their minds right now. Um, and, and I think that is, you know, that's, that's very telling of us needing to rethink our education system because there's no way in a crisis when most of our schools looked like a, uh, a, fire, a fire drill when you just have to leave and you have to leave everything in the room, right? Most of our buildings still look like that because that's how this happened right around spring break for many people um, or right before. So it looked like, you know, people just left. They just had to leave things where they are and then, you know, scramble to hand out devices, hotspots and those types of things. And I think so many districts did an admirable job 
um, of trying to get those those pieces out there. But then they were missing that last piece, Tracy, of now that the kids have the tech, they have the hotspot for the most part, you know, a large majority of the kids do, you know, you still can't jump into testing because many of those kids, particularly in those vulnerable categories like that, are having to watch all the neighborhood kids or maybe their cousins or, you know, other family members that might be sick uh, while parents go out to work. Or maybe parents have uh, been uh, out of work and the kids are having to get a job and expose themselves because let's face it, the, the, what we know of this virus, we know that our kids are more um, resilient against it. They're not indefensible against it, but they're more resilient. So many kids had to go out and work those jobs at the restaurants or fast food, you know, just to bring in money because their parents couldn't work. Um, So it's really hard to test when kids are working, they're trying to, you know, be involved. They miss their, they miss their friends. They miss the school environment. Um, Even the ones that may have shared how much they uh, loved the normal school environment in very creative ways, they miss that, but they have to take care of those basic, you know, needs. Absolutely. And, you know, testing and and testing and equity, it it has always gone hand in hand. And this is a generations long conversation um, that I think will continue to need to happen because even in standardized testing, um, you know, if the kids haven't been where these test questions are kind of derived from, you know, they're already set up to fail. So that that in itself is a whole different conversation. And I'm thankful that you are bringing awareness um, to what equity looks like in impoverished areas and um, hopefully helping districts look through a clearer set of lenses and, and really trying to be creative in their access and the ways that they're reaching these kids. Something else you said made me want to kind of pivot a little bit to this. Um, You know, speaking of what it's like um, in a population where uh, the, the family dynamic is so different from those who are financially comfortable. Um, a lot of kids are working. Um, sometimes their grandparents, cousins, nieces, nephews, all under one rooftop. So I'm, I'm always forward thinking and always talking about what will it look like when we return to school. But and and most people think that's just the broad thing of okay, there's going to be some trauma. There's going to be you know some reassessing and figuring out where kids are. But it's so much more than that. It's truly the emotional trauma, the exhaustion, uh, what these kids have been through, some educators will never, ever be able to understand. So how do we, when we do begin to return to normal, even if it's a blended environment, but this pandemic was on the back end of school, when we go in on the front end of school and have to build relationships and, and, and things aren't solidified. Now at this point in the year, we're kind of on autopilot, but at the beginning of the year, what's your recommendation to educators um, trying to understand the lack of equity and what kids have gone through and coming back in and trying to hit reset and start a new school year? What are your thoughts around that? So I think the first thing, Tracy, is that um, educators first need to understand the difference between remote learning and true e-learning. 
Uh, what we're doing right now is a hodgepodge of, uh, of using digital tools and, again, grabbing what we can to kind of keep the learning going and keep that connection going. Um, but that is not true e-learning. We, educators also need to understand what e-learning is, what it's about, and e-learning research does not try to recreate the 7.5-hour school day. Um, so districts have to rethink school absolutely right now because you can't have kids on a computer. Are the teachers expected to teach via uh, you know FaceTime or, or Zoom or, or Google uh, Meet or whatever it might be? You can't expect that because many of those teachers have kids at home too. And so we have to rethink what our school day looks like. We're going to have to shorten the time. Um, if As we prepare for blended learning, we have to acknowledge that e-learning, true e-learning is not remote learning. And, and I think probably lastly, we have to take time right now in the summer, since we're headed into summer break, some people might already be there. We need to take this time to really take a breath because this was very trying for everyone involved and immerse ourselves in those best practices and come up with a comprehensive plan to start the year off with a blended model approach as well as um, just an e-learning approach if that's the case, depending on what the health departments say and, and your particular state's you know, um, governor might say. We need to be prepared to do that. And we also need to be prepared to ebb in and out of in-person learning and then back to um, e-learning. And I'm going to continue to say e-learning in the fall, not remote learning, because That's hopefully true. we've done our homework over the summer to make this, uh, this plan comprehensive and to help train our teachers during this time. I know there are a lot of districts that are you know, putting together summer school things and, and what have you. And, and I understand the need to still keep kids connected, but I would rather... We already know we're going to have summer slide. We already know we're going to have not summer slide. I like to call it the COVID slide because of the gaps that have been created uh, because of the crisis. So take a breath and then come up with a way to um, when you work on your scope and sequence or whatever your standards might be, where the kids are going on to the next grade. And that that teacher is able to go back and adjust the beginning of that curriculum to hit what I like to call those power standards in uh, that particular subject from the previous grade. There are some states that are allowing parents to hold their kids back because they've missed, you know, six or eight weeks of school. I'm not a fan of that because promotion research does very, very little improvement to a child's self-esteem, number one, um, when we hold them back. And, and holding them back to me is punishing the kid for a crisis that they didn't even create. So let's move our kids on and let's be very thoughtful and um, spiraling back, catching up those power standards and streamlining what we expect our kids to know. We really need to streamline these pieces right now because we don't have a vaccine. There's not an effective drug therapy that's been developed. We haven't reached herd immunity. So we have to be prepared to have a combination or be prepared to ebb and flow between in-person and e-learning. So I think if schools do those things, they're going to have a, a, better, um, a better handle on what this looks like, and and I'll also say this, and I'm, I'd love to I'd love to chat a little bit more about this as we think about the standards, how we spiral back, how do we uh, build our content knowledge around e-learning principles, and what tools we have available. 
we have to include the mental health piece, period. I don't care if the kid's blue, black, white, purple, does not matter. Um, we have to put that in there and not just for the kids, but also for the adults. And, and I guess that's why I'm more of an advocate of just really taking the summer to breathe a little bit, even as the adults, the educators, the gladiators, right? Um, mm-hmm. Because this has been a trying time. And the mental health piece is, I think that is the key, how districts plan around that. That is the key to making the fall successful. I, I agree <laughs> on so many levels. Um, in fact, I just wrote an article, um, it's okay not to be okay. Um, to, to, for everybody to give ourselves permission to, you know, teachers are so resilient that, you know, we're teaching and, and we may be dealing with a loved one who has COVID or, or, you know, we may have a husband or a wife who's on the front lines. And so we have all of these personal stressors but then we can put on an excellent game face and continue to engage with our kids and, and meet our parents' needs. But that's emotional trauma right there. You know, we're, 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 we're compartmentalizing to function. So I've been thinking a lot about when we go back to school, this next year needs to look completely different from any other year that we have ever had. It, I don't think it should be a, a, a year of normal instruction. I agree with you that first and foremost, we have to, we have to nurture, we have to pause. Um, we, we have to realize where everybody is. So it's not this space of let's go back in and meet, 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 meet. Let's go back in. You know, I, I've really just been trying to wrap my head around what does it look like when we have to step back in the building with the kids? I think first and foremost, there's going to be some type of digital meeting in the classroom where we all connect on Zoom, Teams, whatever we use, and just really talk and have the kids understand what coming back to school will look like. I feel like that's another area of stress. Um, you know, how are parents going to feel about letting their kids go back to school? How are the kids going to feel when they're there? How are the teachers going to feel? You know, what what types of meetings will have to be had about safety? And, and this whole retraining process is going to be occurring in buildings. So there's so many layers of things that need to happen that all kind of ultimately come back to stress, anxiety, and emotional trauma. Um, I I shared yesterday that I'm noticing, and it's not surprising, sadly, that the suicide rate is is increasing in, in in the medical profession with our kids. We've got so many layers to unpack. And honestly, I wish we could transition right now from remote learning, remote learning, push this, push this, push that, to just, are you okay? How are you doing? Let's just talk. Agreed. Agreed. Um, I, yeah. And, and here's the thing. So while we do and we have to start with what you said, you know, the emotional piece, the mental health piece, I do think we need to give lots of training around that because we don't want to fall into the trap of um, provocative victim either. Um, exactly. 
Yeah. We have to be really, really careful of that. And mm-hmm. uh, and for those of you that are listening that may not know what that what that term means, it's really about a, a having that victim syndrome and and you know liking the attention that whatever that trauma might be brings, whether you consciously are aware of it or not. Most people are unconsciously aware of, of being a provocative victim. So I think that we have to hear people, give them the supports that they need, but at the same time, shore up and reaffirm the need to persevere. Because, you know, and I, I shared this in a, in a tweet before, um, maybe I think it was a week before last, sometimes life is hard. And, and, well, not sometimes, life is hard. And in our day and age with social media and um, and the ability to project a different, um, a different perspective, right? A different version of ourselves, um, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. What it has done, I think, is brought us into this false uh, sense of that everything is always, you know, rainbows and unicorns. And, and that's not the case. Um, I think when we strive to do that, I think happiness is a choice that we should continue to strive for. But you can't have the light without the dark. And so this right here is the dark and we are going to have some incredible opportunities to show the light in our teaching and our connection with students and our students being creative and how they're, um, and how they're, you know, wrapping their arms around their learning and what their futures look like. So as we, as we talk about the mental health piece, we also, we have to make sure that we're also affirming our kids um, ability and the adults, their ability to be resilient you know, I don't know if if it's just I can only speak about what I know, right? What I've experienced or what I've read about and, and tried to learn more about if I haven't experienced it directly or, or talked to people that might have experienced something. But I will say as a person of color, as a, as a black person growing up in the South, in Louisiana, you know, you life was really hard and you knew that it was hard. But my parents and my grandparents and other family members didn't let us just just stay at that point you know Um, you have to acknowledge it you have to acknowledge it but then it was like build a bridge and get over it because I remember my my grandmother would say well you're gonna be black all your life so you got to build a bridge and get over it and so how do we take that that tenacity and that resilience and that grit how do we transfer that to our kids and our teachers today um so that might not have grown up like I did or might not be celebrating 28 years old as many times as I have, how do we, how do we connect them to that and build that part up? Because to me, that's, that's another key piece of how we get through this and how we not only survive it, but um, we, we really just shine during this time. Right. It, it's several things. It's, you mentioned the key part. It has to be in the training um, and quality training. It has to be in continued conversations. You know, I talked about the article, um, it's okay not to be okay. And that's exactly what I said. Like, okay, acknowledge the space that we're in. Give that some credence. Allow yourself to to not be okay, but you can't stay in that place. Um, you know, how do you function when you're not okay? You're an overcomer. We're, we're resilient. You know, we keep going. What can I everything life puts in front of us, we're supposed to gain something from it. We're supposed to grow from it. We're, we're, we're supposed to be stronger and better and, and really 
just pause and think about what 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 can I what can I take from this? So even in COVID nineteen, and and I, every time I talk about COVID nineteen and resiliency, I always pause to acknowledge, you know, those on the front lines, those who have seen what they will never be able to unsee, those who have lost their lives um, alone without family in hospitals. I always give that credence um, because I feel like it, it deserves to be acknowledged. But those of us who um, may not have experienced all of that and we're strictly trying to shelter in place and keep our family safe, you know, as, as leaders of our households, not, not educators, but just as leaders of our households, we should be trying to really connect with our family members and how can we grow right now? How can we, how can we grow as a family? How can we grow in our goals? What are your hopes and dreams? Let's really talk about that. So th there's opportunity even in a storm. And I feel like that's where that resiliency piece comes from. So when we go back to school and we really do address and give give value to the space that people are coming back from, that we acknowledge it, but then we're resilient and we, we are there to help our community of a school move forward um, in the midst of a storm. So, so that onus is on us as educators to um, continue to ignite the spark. And then there's one other thing that I really want to shift in language with educators right now. We already know, like you just said, there, there's a COVID slide. We know that. So I, I don't want us to go back into schools and constantly say, we've got to fill gaps. We've got to fill gaps. That, at some point, that resonates in kids' heads. Um, and even parents, because these parents have done the unthinkable um, in terms of trying to facilitate learning and partner alongside us. So for us to continue to focus on saying, filling gaps, we already know we're going to do sound, solid instruction and meet kids where they are. I just don't feel like there needs to be that heavy of, of a of a language focus on filling gaps. I, I hate for kids to keep hearing that and absorb that, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think that's true as well. Um, and I like how you I like how you phrase that about, you know, not focusing on that piece because we know that it's there and it does come in the training because we're asking teachers um, to learn more about a grade level that they may not have taught before. Um, and so we're going to need that collaboration, that PD time to do that. You know, one of the pieces of e-learning, as well as not trying to recreate a normal traditional school day, is also providing ample time for teachers to have PD. I saw that many districts gave their teachers either a half day or a full day each week to connect and learn because there was a huge learning curve for many, many, many educators on, you know, being in this space, this virtual space full time. Um, and so I think that is a great, I think that's a great shining moment that we need to continue to plan for in the fall um, is having PD around not just the mental health, not just their, you know, their current scope and sequence and making those adjustments, but truly having our teachers collaborate with each other and their buildings um, to see, okay, what is it that you, where did you leave off that we need to make sure that the kids get and so it's presented in such a way that is this is just what say fourth grade is, you know, and it's not any different for for our kids. So we do have to be we do need to be mindful of that. You know, right when this happened, I had a lot of requests for people wanting supports for different things. And and like, you know, Marlena, you know, does Edge of Gladiators, you're going to put out a schedule for how 
to structure the day for families or for, you know, for the teachers. And, you know, I, I really, I really struggled with it. Um, I know some of my core warriors, as we were kind of putting our heads together, we really struggled with that because again, the schedules that I saw for how to, how to frame your day made many, many, many assumptions that that day was mom was at home all day. Our dad was at home and the both were able to work. So I really struggled and we, we didn't do that for remote learning. But what we are planning is some uh, courses around e-learning and how do we hit those pieces for that we've talked about today during this time for the mental health, for, um, you know, the spiraling back to hit to hit those standards, those power standards and present it in such a way so the kids don't feel like, oh, my gosh, like, you know, I'm so behind. The sky is falling. So how do we rebrand that piece? And then how do we celebrate and build in that resiliency piece that we need for our kids and our teachers? So those are the things that we'll be putting out over the summer and the next couple of weeks to help support teachers, parents and leaders um, to usher in that new era of what education, you know, will have to look like so we can do this well. It, it can be done because e-learning has been around for a while, especially at the college level. And a lot of the research is focused at the college level. And so this is also a great time to uh, have some of our incredible universities uh, and other groups do some research around the remote learning and comparing it to the true e-learning and seeing what differences do we need um, to make. And how do we do so? Um, how do we do this K-12 or pre-K-12 um, e-learning in such a way that our kids are continuing to grow and move forward? Um, you know, I've seen a lot of and I've worked with a lot of districts that are contemplating, you know, one day a week rotating staggered entry, whether it's one day or two days a week or maybe it's every other week so they can get kids in and kids out. And even in that, they're still thinking, you know, all day or all subjects. And the research is very clear. If you have to bring in the kids for a limited amount of time, and I'm a, I am a English teacher um, in social studies. Um, so hear me when I say this, I understand, but that is the truth. If you have to bring kids in for a limited amount of time, math is probably the subject you need to focus on because that's the subject that parents can't help with, especially with the shift to common core and and as uh, as many many community members and even my friends and family have said, they've called that math the new math in the South, right? <laughs> because it's so different from what we did, right? And they don't understand Absolutely. it. And so, yeah. you know, those are the kinds of things that I, I hope that districts are really, really um, diving into around best practice and not just saying, oh, we we can rotate these kids in and it's more of a you know, a cattle mentality and getting them in and getting them out. But when they're in, if we're not doing certain key things, then what's the point anyway, right? And then we go back to, um, you know, to the one I listed as, you know, many people still view school as daycare, you know, community members and parents as free daycare, you know. Um, and I know it's hard to restart the economy without having to do something with the littles. I understand that. I understand that. But you know, having, going back to early and not having the precautions, not having a vaccine, not having the drug therapy, you know, and the research shows like, you know, you're going to lose about two to 3% of kids. And I think even Dr. Oz said that was palatable to some, or might be enticing to some words, his exact words, until yeah. it's your kid that's part of that two to 3%. Exactly. I understand the need and the push, but we have to do this right because I'm sorry, our kids, they're... 
they're, our kids are precious. They, they are our future. They're not replaceable. <laughs> you know, um, each one is here on this earth, you know, for a reason. You know, protecting the elderly, that's our legacy and our kids are our future. And they're two of our most vulnerable populations. And it's up to us in that middle bubble um, to do what's best and what's right. So you are right on track. Um, wow, Marlena, we, we have so many more reasons to get together again. <laughs> Absolutely. We, we haven't even... We haven't even cracked the tip of the iceberg on this. I do want to say before uh, we close out, you mentioned something that really kind of affirmed something that I'm doing. Um, School Rubric has been gracious enough to allow me to present in their webinar series. And uh, this will be my second time coming up at the end of this month. And um they asked me, you know, if I had anybody in mind that I'd like to present with. And you won't believe the first person that came to my mind is um, a former principal, lifelong mentor of mine, but who's also a professor at the university level. For the same reasons that you said, I'm like, this is the perfect opportunity to connect that whole college e-learning piece, the, 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 the agency that's been doing it right, um, to partner with um, you know, the public education school system. So I, I hope that our time together will do exactly what you just mentioned is to continue to uh, bring some awareness and, and pull the experts in at a, to a seat at the table. Absolutely. So, I think that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. So Marlena, thank you so much for being the first guest um, in the new format of Intelligogy, the podcast. This is our very first episode of the new format. And uh, Marlena Gross-Taylor has been our first guest on Monday Matters. Marlena, will you let people know how to um, follow you, connect with you on social media? Absolutely. Honored again to be on Monday Matters. I just love that title. So um, can't wait to share it with our with our our warriors in the arena. Absolutely amplifying the work that you're doing, Tracy. I think it's absolutely amazing. Um, if you'd like to connect, I would love to connect with you um, personally and, and as well as with Edu Gladiators. Um, you can you can find Edu Gladiators um, with that handle Edu Gladiators on all of your uh, social media apps, um, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, just type in Edu Gladiators. We also have a really awesome Facebook group, um, The Arena. So if you want an even uh, closer connection and a community with other warriors that are really, really being, um, you know, outspoken about the work that needs to happen, but also putting in the work. So if you're looking for solutions and ideas and someone um, to, to be as a thought partner, you definitely want to join uh, the arena, which is our face, our Facebook group, our community group. And you can find that simply by typing in the arena or typing in Edge of Gladiators and you'll see it on our, our page. Um, you can also find me uh, on all the on all the same platforms um, at M Gross Taylor on Twitter. Uh, MG Taylor 28 on Instagram or Marlena Gross Taylor on Facebook or LinkedIn um, would love to connect with you and help you navigate through this as well because the only way the only way we're going to get through this is together and locking arms together and that means sharing these hard truths right and then also being solutions oriented and how do we move forward with this because 
no matter how bleak it might be, tomorrow's still gonna come. Tomorrow's still gonna come. And we need to be ready because I truly believe every every kid deserves an edgy gladiator in their corner to help them, and probably now more than ever. And on that note, you said it so perfectly now more than ever, our kids need edgy gladiators. Uh, thank you for spending time with me today, Marlena and friends. Our time has come to an end today. We'd like to thank you for joining us at Intelligogy, the podcast, where together we will disrupt educational normalcy. Until next time. Thank you again, Marlena. Thank you, Tracy.